0: i Sylvia Doss, and welcome to the re Health Podcast, where we explore the intersection of health technology and data. From the very beginning of this podcast, I've spoken about us being comfortable with health data, data about our own health, and data that inform us about health issues. So today, we're going to dig into how to go about doing that. Today's guest is Adam Whelan. Adam is a data and analytics and health informatics expert. Adam's experience includes marketing, consumer insights, social psychology, health informatics, artificial intelligence as an in AI, and data visualizations. He holds an MBA from Duke's Fuqua School of Business. He posts analytics blogs and white papers, many of which are public, and we'll, I'll share some information with you today at the end of the um, podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about how exploring data on your own is invaluable. We're also going to touch on how great it is to have access to a visualization tool to enhance your insight into that data. So welcome, Adam, to Re-Envision Health.
1: Thanks for having me, Sylvia. Appreciate it.
0: This is a really timely topic, um, so let's start with the big picture. Mm-hmm. What is health data at analytics?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's it's ever expanding, is really what it is. I mean, you know, 15 years ago, if you would have asked me that question, essentially when you and I met, you know, that would have been population health research. You know, more on the research side, where you're looking at um, data that comes from the CDC or or you know the World Health Organization but nowadays it's things that we wear right and it's wearables and more biometric stuff that that everyone can have can have access to you know even smart scales so now you know you've got health data that you can capture on your own and see you know, trends in how you're doing from a from a health perspective and how you can improve your own personal health. So, I mean, it's really gone from sort of this ivory tower, you know, epidemiological model aspect to, you know, things that you see every day. You know, you open the New York Times now and you see, you know, like you said, it's very topical. You see mm-hmm. coronavirus um, you know, statistics that are put in front of you and you have to look at it and, and well, and try to, try to understand it. Um, and I think visualization, you know, helps that a lot.
0: Yeah. That's so, so I want to comment on a couple of things. One is you said I got 15 years ago and we haven't yeah. known each other probably at least that long,
1: <laughs> Yeah. but yeah.
0: I don't think people think about this as having existed 15 years ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a very good point. When I was, I mean, it it did, but it was a lot more um, difficult to access. Even when I was, mm-hmm. you know, as a professional, I was, you know, I was trying to do this population health research and it wasn't, it wasn't easy. I was with, you know, a, a large health insurer and, and we were mining, you know, claims data and population data from secondary sources, but it was very, you know, it was very not guarded, but very, very hard to find. Um, yeah. And so I think, you know, to your point, it was it was people didn't know about it because it was very hard to find. It was also very um, dirty, you know, dirty. Huh. You talk about dirty data, right? I mean, there's yeah. a lot of cleansing that that happens. Um,
0: and yeah, what, does that <laughs> what does that yeah, mean? What does that mean for not data people?
1: Right. Yeah. So I think um, most data is very very messy. Um, you know, uh-huh. you've got data that is invalid in a data set or things like clickstream data where you know you're you you've got website data and it's just kind of a big long you know if you think about an excel sheet or something and a cell in that excel sheet there's just this big long string of of stuff in one cell and to make any sense out of that data you have to parse it out into different cells or rows Uh to actually start making some analytics. So, so there's, there's a huge, and frankly, I mean, most of the time that an analyst spends doing, um, an analysis is in cleaning, well, finding the data and then cleaning the data. Um, and you know, a, a smaller portion on, on analytics, which is, um, can be frustrating.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know, just the other day, and this is kind of even breaks it down further. So I have a watch that measures my workout Mm -hmm. and I, I think I accidentally turned it on that it was recording a workout and then I turned it off, but that was about 15 seconds of data, you know, that is in there. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't be in there, and I didn't really have a way of getting it out. So if I was, if I were to export that data, you know, into either some kind of platform where I can I can look at it or or Excel, you know, there's that piece of data there that it really shouldn't be in there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think when we think about clean up the data, so now you know I might want to delete that data, and it may be something else in there where instead of hitting that I was doing a cycling workout, it actually said I was doing. I don't know yoga, right? So the numbers are going to be all off. It's saying yoga, but my heart rate is like (laughs) (laughs) right. So you know, you know, I think those are some examples. Particularly when we're talking about, and you had mentioned wearables, yeah. Um, And when we think about visualizations, and that is a little um, different spin on looking at data, Mm -hmm. sort of. But talk to us about what that is and what does it add to the conversation
1: yeah um i think really when you visualize data i'm i'm a visual person in general um and so if you i mean a visualization a simple visualization could be you know a scatter plot or or a trend line you know but but taking (laughs) or a cobograph, yeah exactly Yeah. yeah i mean i love you know I love maps. I love putting mm-hmm. stuff on maps. That's <laughs> so, you know, when the New York Times yeah. is doing all this this COVID tracking, um, it was really fascinating to see it plotted out on a map. Um, but I think visualization is really anything like that. But what it does is it it builds it builds the story behind your analysis. So I think any good analysis has a has a story behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think visualizations are able to, to tell that story without, without the words. And then, you know, you're there to, to bring that visualization to life, but the visualization brings that data out of the, out of the spreadsheet that nobody's (laughs) ever going to look at. right? Right, right. (laughs) And you're able to, to play with it in a dashboard um, and start coming up with, you know, ways to, to, you know, go deeper into, to what you see, you know, part of an anal- analysis is, is it's kind of like an onion where you're mm-hmm. peeling the layers off and, and sometimes it just keeps going and going. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're able to find, you know, discover more, um, things out mm-hmm. of the data. And, and so I, yeah, I love visualizations. That's, I mean, that's what I would, that's yeah. what I would essentially call them.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we think about, um, telling a story. I mean it could example be there's been a lot of discussion around blunting the curve with respect to COVID. And mm-hmm. you know, I think everybody can can, you know, can see okay, blunting the curve means the curve kind of comes down and flattens out. And, you know, that's the story, right? We're trying to get to this place where we're blunting the curve. And you know, mm-hmm. you may say, oh look, we got to a point or we're getting to a point. And it's a story that really the visualization should be able to to show should mm-hmm. support yeah, yeah
1: absolutely and you can you know you can monitor those a lot a lot more people can see can see um the actual you know the events visually as opposed to seeing it in in numbers Right. Yeah. so i think a greater number of people understand a visualization more than a statistical i don't know number of some sort
0: yeah, I had listened to something not long ago about um, Florence Nightingale. And she has a famous visualization, which which you could actually Google. Not you, but mm-hmm. everybody. You probably know about it, but everybody else probably does because I just found out about it. Um, but she had put together a visualization really addressing health, I guess, was health in hospital, and a a lot of the soldiers at the time were dying, and it was like a small percentage were actually dying from injuries that they had gotten in battle. They were more dying from, you know, the poor sanitary conditions in a hospital, and Mm -hmm. she put forth a visualization that showed that. I mean, you could look at it, it was like, Wow. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my understanding is some of the background to that story is that typically that data would have been shown in charts and graphs and details. And that was the more proper way to show it, but it wouldn't Mm -hmm. have had the same impact. And, you know, for that reason, she wanted to really just put it out there as a picture. Yeah. 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 So why is it that you think we need to keep up with this even when we're talking about our personal health and, Mm -hmm. you know, we have quite a bit of our personal health data available that we can visually look at truthfully.
1: Yeah. There's really two aspects to it. One is really, you can, you know, it goes back to that, that wellness aspect. The first one, the first, you know, the first reason is where you can actually start tracking, um, you know, how, how you're doing, right. It's so easy to do that. Even if you just have a, a smart scale nowadays um, and you want to measure, you know, weight or body fat percentage, any, anything like that. Or, or if you have an Apple watch or a watch of some sort, you can get a little bit more detailed. Like I, you know, I have an Apple watch and I like to set it for my, my cycling workouts. Yeah. And I like to see, you know, how my VO2 max is improving all that, you know, all that good um, yeah. detailed things. It's also a nice way to, understand data a little bit more because it's on a personal context. So you could Mm -hmm. start out in that wellness arena and sort of internalize the data that you're looking at, right? And that sort of builds on this more complex aspect of understanding data. And it sort of feeds into the the second component or or pillar um, where I think – You know, like you mentioned, there's a lot of data being thrown at us these days. Uh And I think understanding what we're looking at is incredibly important, Uh but also looking at it from a little bit of a skeptic too, because Uh I think there's so much data that sometimes folks are able to sort of find the data that supports their opinion. (laughs) Right? Hosted, hosted As, they are. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <yeah>, absolutely. <laughs> I mean you can you can even frame objective data in, in the way that you want to see it. You know, we were talking yeah. about COVID. And you know, I've been in health population research for, for a long time. And and the one thing that irked me about the New York Times was you know, you'd see it on the front page every day. About you know, this is a little bit of a grim subject, but they would do total number of of deaths in a certain area, uh-huh. and I, I would always say, well, why aren't they doing it per capita, right? Because in certain you know certain areas have a lot more people, and so right, it's going to be a lot more impact in those areas. And so something that I thought, well, you know, if they showed it per capita, yeah, it's it's bad, but I think it would be more meaningful to everyone as opposed to seeing this you know, this huge bubble over, you know, New York City or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, Of course it was bad there, but building a sort of um, skepticism and being able to take what you see um, or find that data. And, you know, like I said, peel the, the layers of that onion a little bit further to see, you know, if you can make something out of somebody's, you know, already created analysis. Yeah, um, and, and sort of build on it. So I think that's the the second pillar is is you know being able to to look at it from a from a you know an object, uh, we'll call it objective um, mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah,
0: yeah, it, it, it makes me think um, when first we had, a couple of months ago, you know, L A had a lower incidence of COVID, and mm-hmm. they had pointed to well, we're not as we don't live as close. You know, we have much more space mm-hmm. and, I, you know, I'm not sure if the data ever proved that it was kind of as, <laughs> kind of an assumption from the numbers, but that could yeah. be it or it couldn't be it. And, you know, I mean, to your point, it's one thing that I think frustrates me a little bit. And it's why I'm so into looking at the data myself is because, you know, we'll have some data and someone will put a story on top of it. It isn't necessarily proven out in the data, but they'll put a story on it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, another item that's in the news and it did, you know, in addition to COVID is over, you know, health and racial discrimination. But also there was this COVID issue of, you know, Black people dying at a greater rate Mm -hmm. and you know, the story that's put on top of that is, oh, well, you know, this is how black people live. And I'm like, well, I don't see any data that says to me that these people mm-hmm. actually reflect your your kind of a hypothesis. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a bias. So
0: I think to, to, to your point of being a skeptic, it's like, well, how do you even know that's true?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a great... Um... I, I love it and it's one of the things that really got me into to visualization is is um, there's something called the Gapminder foundation um, mm. and it was created by uh, pro- well he's a, he was a professor he had passed away a few years ago it was um, Hans Rosling and they're in Sweden but it it but it talks exactly to what you were saying there so they build this this Gapminder foundation to 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 get at those sort of biases that we're all sort of naturally, uh, you know, not fed, but but those biases that sort of grow inside of us. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he, he does some he has this great TED talk where you know he asks some some folks a certain question about I think it was in, income equality in, income inequality and you know it, it, they take a survey. And then he does the same thing with, I think it was chimps or something in a zoo and the chimps in the zoo <laughs> ended up with like the same result as the people. Right? So, so I mean, if you think that people really don't know. I mean, they think they, they know because they've formulated this sort of um, perception of what they, they think it is. Um, but when you look at the actual, data it it doesn't support that you know that conclusion and so you know you start thinking well yeah I am biased on 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 something you know I think Uh I think you know what you just said about racial inequality I mean there's I mean in the news a lot there's a lot of biases um yeah and so I think you know, like you said, there's no data I've, you know, I've never seen any sort of data that, that points to a different, you know, a different lifestyle or, you know, you yeah. and I know each other and <laughs> we yeah. live what, like a mile apart and there's no <laughs> difference in our, you know. Yeah. Our own yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Get Binder Foundation. And I'm going to add that link um, to my website at, at yeah. the end and under your podcast. But yeah. it is really interesting. Um, everybody should check it out. I went in and you can take this little test and I failed the first time, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then it shows you where you failed. And it's like, this is my perception of the world and the data is improving out, you know. Yeah. What I think about, let's say the level of poverty in the world, not that, that, mm-hmm. that it isn't poor, it isn't bad, but what if it's just not exactly the way I think it is?
1: Yeah. 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 And you can play with the tool on there too. They have that really cool um, bubble chart tool that sort of, oh. you know, to your point where you, where you can kind of see the visualizations and start understanding um a little bit more it's a nice tool to sort of dip your toe in, in the in the water a little bit and, and you know get to know well also you you know you start getting some some really cool data that you didn't you know maybe have you know income income equality is a good example you just mentioned um, yeah. or poverty. is what you mentioned yeah. Um, yeah. But there's some really cool things that you can you can do in there and start playing around with.
0: So how should we be thinking about all this changing data? right? When yeah. COVID started, I was like, oh, nobody needs mask. Right now, in San Francisco, we're like, if you go outside, you need to have on a mask. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, you get look. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah and I mean, it's like this constantly evolving, changing stories, which I believe has left many people feeling like, I don't really know what's going on. But yeah. What's your thoughts on how we should think about that? Hmm.
1: About in about the um about.
0: I think just how quickly data is evolving. I mean, does it mean we should oh. believe it, or is there something we should understand about the process? Because we're kind of like yeah. living—we're we're living this. Somebody didn't yeah. go off and research COVID, and they came back and told us, "Oh, this is what we think." We're kind of <laughs> living it.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, no. That's that's a very it's uh, <laughs> a very good question, and I think, gosh, th- that I mean, that's essentially what I mean. It kind of hit the nail on the head. Where, especially in in a live situation like this, is <laughs> we don't know everything, <laughs> right? I mean, even yeah. even. Uh, even E equals mc squared. It's a proven, you know, a, you know, Einstein's theory is is accepted and and, but it's still just a theory, and it could, you know, it could be disproven in the future. But I, th- but I think it's, I think it's it's kind of like that with with what we're seeing now, right? Was, like you said, wear a mask, go stay six feet apart, and now, you know. Now, I saw the CDC said you don't have to wipe down your your mail, right? But people were wiping down their mail before. Yeah, right? I did. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Because they were saying, oh, the virus yeah, stays on uh-huh. cardboard for, for a certain uh-huh. amount of time. But now they said it doesn't. So, it's yeah, this is a very interesting time to to be fed all this because you're getting these sort of contradictory statements. I would say... I guess I'd, I'd circle back to where where we were a few minutes ago, where, you know, if you do have that confidence, start going in and playing around with with the data. I, I certainly did. I, I actually got my hands on some Johns Hopkins COVID data wow. and started playing around with that a little bit, just to, you know, just to see that per capita information, because yeah. the New York Times wasn't showing it. Um, to give me a better idea of, okay, well, what is the what is the risk, you know, in in my zip code, um, or something along that line? But I think also don't not believe what you see, you know, in a credible source, of course. But yeah. but I think with data and pr- frankly the <laughs> the news that we see these <laughs> yeah. these days, and enter it with a with a degree of of not well a little some skepticism i don't Mm -hmm. that word sometimes has a a, a negative connotation but i think being a little bit of a skeptic in in what you see not it doesn't make you um i wouldn't call it negative it just makes you inquisitive
0: okay i like it yeah inquisitive I like it. So let's talk about how people can get going with this. Kind of what are some things they can do? And as you've been talking, what I reflected on was I had um, there at, at one point, my health plan—they had a lot of data available for me, and they had gone back and put in, let's say, it was um, all the measurements from blood work I had had done, blood pressures, and they had listed it for years, and it could have been ten years. Oh. And you know, I looked at that in a graph, and I was like, "Gosh, I wish I would have looked at this." Yeah. Because whereas I felt, oh gosh my blood pressure just got to this point overnight. It's like, well, no, not really. Mm. (laughs) I can look at it, you know, over let's say a three year period and see, you know, what was that maybe was increasing, but I could also start to then add because they had dates, I could add what was going on at that time. And so it gave me like so much information about what was going on in my life, where was I working, what stress I was under, what was my exercise like at the yeah. time, you know, that really fed a lot, Fed fed. I thought really well into, oh, this is like this picture of my health. And I felt like god I wish I would have had this while it was happening. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like after the fact now, but this, what what are some ways that even easier than that that mm-hmm. you know, you think people can get going on this, particularly with their personal health?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting as you described it, it's kind of like um it's like a biometric journal almost, you know, mm-hmm. you can go back and think, "Oh, you know, for me I can I can see where I um you know, I gained weight or something. It's like, Oh, that's when my son was yeah. born. You know? <laughs> <Something>. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, what's actually, well, actually it sort of feeds into, to um, you know, the weight thing it sort of feeds into what, mm-hmm. what I was um mentioning where um, a smart skill. I mentioned it earlier, but I mm-hmm. think that is, and so, s- smart scale is is you know there's these scales out now that that you know you they're Bluetooth connected and they connect to your smartphone, um, and it's a lot, lot lower investment in we'll call it a quote unquote unwearable you know a wearable. Mm-hmm. Um, Compared to a, a fitness watch or even a, a Fitbit or something, um, but it's a good way to 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 get into that that wellness data component. You don't even have to try and chase down your insurer for that data. You know, you can just start <laughs> that now, right? Um, yeah. But you're right. I mean, I gosh, I wish I had tests from my from my insurer. I should go look into that. I I don't even have it. <laughs> you're Right. I mean, you're, you're you're right though. I mean, because when I when when you look at, it, and when I was doing population health, population research, I was looking at at chronic diseases, so diabetes uh-huh. and and um, you know CAD that that kind of thing. But but it does feed into what you're saying. I mean, it is essentially like um, like you know boiling a, a lobster almost, where these things uh-huh. happen slowly over time. And I think that that could that could help with our chronic you know our chronic disease epidemic that's happening in this country where, you know, you just don't wake up with type 2 diabetes overnight. Right. It happens slowly. And, and, you know, if you can monitor your weight over time, Uh you can get ahead of that and say, well, okay, geez, I'm, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's January this year and the holidays were... (laughs) <laughs> or yeah. a fun time for me um look at my you know look at my weight spike up so i think yeah. i think something like yeah. that is is good but it also if you invest in something like that i think you're more you're more willing to 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 start doing it right because a smart skill is yes more expensive than a a um mm-hmm. you know a regular skill but it inspires you to uh to to get on this thing because you know oh i spent you know, I spent $80 on this, on this scale, I'm going to use it. Right. It feeds, it feeds, a lot of my work is in, um, you know, based on a a field called behavioral economics. Um, and, but, but it's, but it's, it, it, that that component is, is tied to behavioral economics where, you know, people, people have a mixed, um, Approach it at things. They're not they're not always rational beings, but they'll always try to balance utility and happiness, right? I don't want to get mm. too into the academics, but I think uh-huh. um, you know something something small like that is is instantly gratifying, um, and it also. You know, feeds in that into that utility component where you know I can track my my simple biometrics, and then if I get more advanced, okay, well, you know, now I can get a, a Fitbit, and start tracking, you know, heart rate on top of that, and and yeah. you know it just keeps going and going, and you know, sure enough, you're you're building visualizations at some point, and your um, <laughs> on your blood work. <laughs> this would be cool. <laughs>
0: so. So if I have a smart scale and it's Bluetooth enabled, mm-hmm. I assume that that information could then go into um, an app on my phone or on my laptop.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, okay. Have, the scales come with with the app, and you can you can do some um, little bit of coding if you want to get that data out of the app, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean the app. I've got an app for my for my scale, and it just you know it just works. It it even knows. It, it asks me because you know we've got three people in our household, and mm-hmm. and you know, my son's what fifty pounds, and <laughs> I'm certainly not. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's also five. Everybody <laughs> he's also five.
1: Yeah, he's five. Yeah, and I'm certainly not. Uh, so <laughs> so I will, um You know, it's it's smart enough to ask me, it will say, you know, do you wanna you know, is this you, uh, or is this not you? And so it Mm -hmm. it starts to realize like what you know, what is the right weight to capture for me as opposed to, you know, my son or or my wife, which is which is pretty cool, you know, nowadays.
0: Yeah. So we have smart scales, we have our Fitbits and our smart watches. Um Let me talk a little bit about actually building visualizations. And oh, yeah. I think it sounds can feel it can sound very daunting, but it's really not. I mean, we're kind of fortunate that there's a lot of ease and platforms out there that allows us to actually do this work pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um and I know that you have a profile on Tableau Public and Tableau is a visualization platform, but if you could just share your thoughts on, you know, getting that information. Let's say you got information from three sources and you want to put it into one. What are, what mm-hmm. are your thoughts on using using a platform for that?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that goes into the prep, the data uh, cleansing that the we cleaning. were talking about earlier. <laughs> after, <yeah. laughs> the great, the great thing about you know these these visual that are out there right now um, like Tableau um, is that you know like you said they, they've got a, a free version. Tableau public is, is free. And a lot of times if you're starting out with you know data that is is simpler but you still understand it because it's meaningful for you, you'll be able to, to blend these two things together. Um, but, the tools themselves are getting pretty good at suggesting the right, the right blends. Um, the company I actually work for right now, um, has a, has a, um, has a product that provides, um, AI suggestions for Ah. how to blend the, the data together that you're looking for. Um, you know, it's more for, for actual, you know, data scientists and, Mm -hmm. and, analytics professionals but even you know if you use tableau public you open up your two data you know two or three data sets in tableau it will it will automatically try to find um that that linking um key Mm -hmm. between the 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 data sets um and it's it's pretty darn good at at you know at, at finding the right the right key um, so I'd say, you know, the tools are pretty, they're pretty user, user friendly now. And I would start if you're, you know, if you're just starting out in Tableau, start very simple. Um, you know, maybe one data set, play around with that, try to, try to drag and try dra- Cause it's all drag and drop. Mm-hmm. Essentially when you get into the, the visualization, um, you know, just drag it around and and play with it a little bit more. Um, Really kind of understand what you're looking at in that first data set and then build on the second one, right? Just bring in the second one and you've got a pretty good understanding of that first one. So you can, you know, blend it together with with that second one and kind of get it, you know, start, yeah, I'd say with anything, you just, you start slow and then build on it and then soon enough you're you know you're going to be building you know statistical models and
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe not <laughs> yeah.
0: but tableau does maybe have definitely- yeah. <laughs> yeah tableau does have a um a lot of free um Kind of resources there, like you mentioned, Tableau Public, and there's some training that um, you can access online. There's videos everywhere. Um, yeah. I'd I'd agree. It's it's very accessible and very easy to work with. Might might have some fun with it as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the public aspect is is really, um, it's really cool. I like being able to see what other people are. You know, you can follow people on the Tableau public website and people will post their visualizations out there and it gives you ideas on how you can build, um, visualizations. You can even download, some people make their, their, you know, their Tableau files available for download. So you can just build off of their, you know, their existing work if you see something. That's how I think I got started is, you know, you, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you're, um. I don't want to say you steal them, but you... Uh... you borrow it. <laughs> you borrow yeah, yeah. You're inspired. You're inspired by the other visualization.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could download it. You could see exactly what they did. It's like, oh. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So here's one thing I, I just want one last thing I want to add is I would be thrilled if when I went to my doctor, they could show me some visualizations about my data.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's interesting because... I was at um, I was at IBM Watson Health for uh, for two years as a product manager there, and so we were building products and and I would go out and talk to these uh, physician groups and physicians and interview them for what we thought Watson Health could could do for them, and <laughs> the, the sometimes I can see a little bit of a um, a pushback from, from physicians, um, on, on that whole data element. Um, and so I, I don't know why there's just the, the provider space tends to be a little bit slower. I mean, they, a lot of them have security concerns, right. They're still based in that, that I'm, you know, I'm concerned about releasing this, this data. Um, but it was, always, it was always a challenge, and I actually went, started calling it instead of artificial intelligence, because that's what Watson was, right? It's AI. Yeah. Um, I would start calling it I started calling it augmented intelligence, because that's essentially what it was. I huh. mean, why would go up to a physician and say, "Hey, we've got this AI <laughs> product. What do you mean?" What do you mean AI? I don't need artificial intelligence.
0: How would they telling me how to diagnose? <laughs> right,
1: I went, I, I, I top of my class. You know, doctors are smart people. I went top of my yeah. class. You know, and went to school for a bazillion years. I don't need mm-hmm. some iPad telling me what <laughs> you know what uh, what's right. And so I well, no, it's you know we were at the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, I started saying, well, it's augmented intelligence. It's uh-huh. not artificial it's there to help you um and also you know like you said tell the story to the patient right make it a little bit more understanding to the patient um but yeah it's it's there to augment intelligence not you know not replace it that's that's how i look at this because there's always going to be a human element to to you know any sort of data analysis that you that you come across
0: Absolutely. And I think that that is a myth, is that all this is going to replace our ability to use our minds and, and kind of figure things out on our own. Mm-hmm. And um, can't really replace the mind, at least not yet.
1: Yeah, I think it, it. you're right. And I think if you look at it the other way, I try to, is it makes us use our mind or or it should make us use our mind more. Right, it Mm -hmm. makes us more inquisitive, um, as opposed to you know letting letting the machine do the work. It's more you know I guess it goes back to that augmented thing where the machine is giving me suggestions, um, and it's up to me to actually make those those choices. It's just easier to see the choices in front of me.
0: Yeah, yeah, I. I, I would agree with you. I have worked with people who are learning, you know, to build visualizations. And it's that inquisitiveness, mm-hmm. you know, that is like, okay, I got this. It's like, and, <laughs> you know, it, it, now you have to really start being a little bit more curious yeah. and thinking and asking the questions. And yeah, it's a skill that we all have, you know, it's just how much we use it. Yeah. much we're allowed to use it even when you think about it. Mm. So Adam, if you weren't doing data and health informatics and all the interesting stuff Mm -hmm. you do, what other interesting thing would you be doing?
1: Well, ideally an astronaut, but (laughs) I think that ship has sailed. So, (laughs) I've always been been fascinated with no but I think in reality I think um, I think teaching in some aspect um, you know oh, whether it be yeah I oh that. thank you I always lo- I mean I love learning anyway um, but being able to, to mm-hmm. sit in front of a group of folks and and have them you know grow into to something that they want to be you um, is, is yeah. something that sort of inspires me so i think i think you know teaching in some some aspect probably uh, i pro- well i probably um focus on maybe psychology or even be- you know I, I certainly don't have a, a oh. phd or anything in behavioral economics but i think um you know that that aspect is something that really interests me because you know we go back and and talk about what we talked about today it's it's interesting to see when you're looking at data how 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 irrational people actually are economics is built on this whole model of of you know we're rational beings making rational choices but it's it's fascinating to understand the human psychology and see that no we're not really rational creatures or at least when we're observing ourselves, we don't look rational. Um, and just to, to tie it on the end, I remember I was talking with with a professor, this is many years ago, and we were talking about the observations of, of folks, right, in, in the data. And he used the analogy where if you're standing on top of a skyscraper and you're watching someone walk down the street. That that person may you know come to an intersection and may walk in an entirely different way that they were initially you know walking. They they look very irrational from a distance, but if you get into the mind of that person, they know exactly where they're going. Right, they're going to the bank or something. Uh, but uh-huh. but to a, an observer, they look. You know, they're just randomly walking all over the place. So I think um, understanding the, the human, the human psychology a little bit more is, oh. is something that I would would certainly be um, well, researching and then and then teaching, I think. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. So we're coming up to our last question of the day. And this is something I always like to ask my guests is. Um, Adam, what is the one thing that you'd like to leave listeners with today that they can implement right now in order to, I don't know, improve their accessibility to their own data in any Mm. way, improve that accessibility in any way? What's the one thing?
1: I'd say just go go build a visualization. It sounds scary, (laughs) maybe, but, you know, download... Download the file, right? Download Tableau, um, and just just get in there and, and do it, right? It doesn't it doesn't even have to, to be your own data initially. It can be a very simple sample data set, um, but I would say that is what you can do because I'm always I mean I'm a, a learn by doing person. So if you can get in there and just start playing around with it, you know you'll you'll pick up. You'll pick it up in in no time and start understanding, you know, the data around us.
0: All right, excellent. We all got our homework.
1: <laughs> yes, I expect <laughs> to see everyone on Tableau Public, and we'll be following <laughs> their visualizations.
0: Follow Adam on Tableau follow, Public. Follow me. I'll
1: follow you. So them. that is
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> So that's one place they can find you. Where else can people keep up with what you're up to, Adam?
1: Certainly, reach out to me on on LinkedIn um, if you, you know, want to talk data or talk about behavioral economics or talk about really anything. I think that's that's a good uh, medium for for reaching out to me. Um, Twitter to some degree, but uh, you know, yeah, shoot me an email. I'd love to yeah. to to talk with anyone about about this kind of stuff. I love it.
0: Okay, and I'll have all that information on my website um, so that we can track down Adam. and thank you so much This is yeah, of course. I, I think this is just, just such a timely and enlightening conversation, and thank you so much for your time today, Adam. Yeah, of
1: course, thanks for having me, Sylvia. I appreciate it. It's nice catching up with you.
0: Thank you for listening today. This podcast was edited by Terence of 1015. that's t-E-N o n e. FIVE.com Notes for this podcast, as well as any websites and links that were mentioned today, can be found at reenvisionhealth.com. And please, if you liked what you heard, be sure to share this podcast or tell a friend.